Welcome to Pipeline Conversations, a machine learning podcast by ZenML. This is an introduction to some of the team at ZenML, where we all work to build tools that help data scientists write production-ready machine learning code. We'll get more into all of what we're up to in due course, but first, some introductions. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm a mechanical engineer by profession. I studied in Munich and at Stanford, and then I started to work for a big corporate here in Germany, a very big traditional German mechanical engineering company, where we also um, supplied uh, commercial vehicles. And after two and a half years within that company, I thought that there might be more interesting problems out there to solve, and I dropped out of the company to, to found my own startup. Um, back then, it was the idea was predictive maintenance for commercial vehicles. I was lucky to find my co-founder Hamza within the like week after I quit my job, and we we get got going on that problem. We worked together in a little incubator from university um, to ideate around the problem and the, the market and whatever whatever belongs to it. So yes, we started off and bootstrapped the company, which was cool. But after three and a half years, we were always solving the same problems, meaning we didn't really care about the trucks and buses so much anymore. We were more bringing machine learning into production. And this is when we also said, well, um, unluckily or for us, luckily, there was Corona and every innovation budget from every company was completely cut. And we were almost running out of money. So we had to change uh, drastic things. And this is why we, we came up with the problem, what we were, what we were solving in, on a daily basis, which was not predictive maintenance, but as I said, bringing machine learning into production. So th this is where we completely flipped and said, let's focus the MLOps problem and let's jump in, dive into that a bit deeper. But maybe Hamza, my co-founder, would also like to say something about it, about this crazy journey. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I can keep going. So my name is Hamza. Uh, I'm Adam's co-founder, as you already spoke about. I come originally from Pakistan uh, and I moved to Germany to do my master's in computer science. I had a feeling that entrepreneurship was something that was a bit of a calling. I, I worked with a lot of startups throughout my career so far. And one of the reasons to move to Germany as well was to do something along those lines. But I also am a uh, let's say particularly passionate about applying things in production. So software engineering was my first true calling, which then turned towards applied machine learning as I came to Germany and started the predictive maintenance company that Adam was speaking about. And yeah, essentially that all culminates into this MLOps startup that we're doing now. So like the journey has been pretty fantastic so far. Me now, like basically I consider myself as a machine learning engineer. So I, for me, particularly, it's a very interesting problem to solve. And as a co-founder, of course, you also have to think about and learn about so many other things that happen alongside building an open source technology. And that's very particularly exciting for me as well. And uh, since the last year, it's, it could not have been more different from the previous company. So it's uh, it's been a hell of a journey so far. And I think that it's going to keep getting more exciting as we grow, hopefully. And I suppose I should also introduce myself. I'm a fairly recent hire to the company. I'm based in the Netherlands currently, um, also a machine learning engineer working on the well on the, the open source product that we have. I don't have a, a background in Python particularly or 
necessarily so much truck in, in data, but I've just been enjoying learning and getting up to speed with everything that we do. And speaking of which, we touched a little bit on, on this idea and concept of MLOps and that we are in this space and so on. I was wondering, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. What is this buzzword? What's it all about? Well, MLOps is, is a bit of a uh, ephemeral term. It, it keeps changing. It's very fluid. But I think classically what the answer to that question would be the operationalization of machine learning models. And so that would be one aspect to it. The, some other people might say that this is the DevOps that you apply to the machine learning model development lifecycle. Like whatever you consider it, for us, what we uh, imply by it is really taking a machine learning model and specifically actually machine learning pipeline because machine learning is more than just about the model. It's also about the pipeline. And the pipeline, of course, implies it's about the data. Taking that from a more nascent rudimentary artifact like a Jupyter Notebook, where usually these things tend to start out, taking that all the way into production, whether that be in a Kubernetes cluster, in a continuously training setup, or perhaps in a batch inference setup where you're analyzing data as it comes in. There are many, many, many different aspects to make that entire process robust, reliable, and reproducible. All of the classical software engineering principles apply to it, as well as additional principles that we're learning. And those combination of principles, tooling, culture, is what I would call MLOps. And so how is it that this isn't a solved problem already. Machine learning isn't anything new. You would assume that these kinds of things have been solved by the industry already, right? You will, perhaps it would it would probably depend on the generation you're from. So I mean, I guess younger people would assume that these problems get solved really quickly. But like you say, machine learning quite quite old by now. But actually, it started in really started in post 2014-15. So it's not been so long that this these models have been in the industry at least. I, I know that in the research phase it has exploded. And even if you look around right now, there's only a few companies that actually can monetize and on operationalization, operationalizing machine learning models. I'm thinking of the FANGs or Tesla or something like that. And the others are still sort of learning. So that's one side to it that we are just in the early stages of this. But I think there's many other reasons. And primarily one being, I think one of the key factors here is that the people who actually, like where machine learning comes from is the, is not some industrial lab where it's sort of tested and tried. It, it comes from universities, right? So these universities, whether you know they're PhD students and whether they're from statistics or from physics or whatever, the models are developed in this sort of environment. And therefore the code artifacts and the data, the way it's collected, that doesn't necessarily translate into an industry quality industrial quality process that you might expect from a classical software engineering setup. So there is an extra dimension to the whole MLOps problem, which is of course related to what I just said, meaning how these models are developed and they're hard to reproduce. And on top of that, if you add the data side of it, so if you look at machine learning, it's basically the whole process is about software engineering anyway. So if the people who produce it are not software engineer, engineers by trade, they're obviously going to mess maybe that side up. But on top of it, if you then put on that extra complexity of data, it gets even worse because changing one column, for example, in a tabular data set would be 
again in the software engineering world to changing a pip dependency so if you go from pandas 0.25 to i don't know 0.27 or python 3.7 to 8 you might break your code but in data if you change your weighted averages in a certain way it has the same cascading sometimes catastrophic effect and it's even worse because it's hidden because the software engineering around it is not built to built to handle that sort of error and yeah, it's just that combination, that cauldron of complexity plus the where the beginnings of these wonderful, amazing algorithms are tends to make it a very challenging process for industries to adopt it. So then presumably there's a difference then for the kinds of software that are needed. Obviously, you have data scientists at the bottom end of things, and then you have industrial scale machine learning at the other scale of things. Is the idea that there's kind of a universal solution for all of these types of people or? Well, I the, the like the straightforward answer to that is we don't know that yet. It'll bear itself out. I guess we're sort of asking the question, will there be a form of consolidation in some sort of standard like, let's say Kubernetes was in the ops uh, world, whether there will be a standard MLOps platform or whatever, like a mechanism or a framework that you can center around. And yes, that could be the case. The thing is that a lot of the use cases in machine learning are still very disparate and very different. And we are just now trying to understand the commonalities between these, between the different challenges that we face. And the different roles are also evolving. So like a data scientist might be considered to be more of an engineering profile in one company, but they might be a completely non-coder or a citizen data scientist as it's known as in, in one company. And, or, or they might be a business intelligence person in one company, right? Which is a completely different thing. So. I think there needs to be a movement, and there already is starting a movement where you, things need to be standardized, things and processes need to be put into best practices, and people need to gather around, share their problems and insights, and essentially probably go towards more of a setting that DevOps has, like classical DevOps has gone through with the culmination of Kubernetes and all these DevOps practices that we now practice, like CICD and so on. So with all that born in mind, where does ZML fit in all of this? Where is the point that we distinguish ourselves? I guess we'll have to sort of start where ZML uh, comes from. So what is ZML really? I, I don't know if the listener is already familiar. So like ZML is <laughs> in its um, very essence, a pipelining framework, right? So one part of the process of building ML ops is to create pipelines, of course, but that's only the user face inside of it. So the vision of ZenML and what we're trying to solve here is exactly the standardization problem. So we are trying to build abstractions around the entire life cycle of model management from the development of the, of the model in an experimentation phase to the deployment of the model in some sort of service. And we're trying to then find abstractions that standardize the process enough that we can then connect in a modular way different stacks of machine learning tooling together. What I mean by that is, and why are we doing that is basically because we noticed in the, an explosion of tooling, of course, everybody's using different tools as, as you already alluded to as well. Our data scientists like to do different things maybe then engineers and data engineers have a different data stack or the modern data stack that is developing. And you have, you need to have probably some glue that, or some 
like in Germany, you would call it the autobahn, like the like the highway to connect it together. And we just wanted to build that because we we all already use so many of these tools and we thought they could play together so nicely as well if they were brought together in a smart manner. And we 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 just focus. I mean, the natural way to do that is to build a pipelining tool because you can then touch on each part of the system. But we don't want to solve particular vertical problems within that pipeline. So for instance, we don't want to solve the problem of, let's say, tracking your experiments or visualizing some experiments or maybe even deploying the models. Maybe you have a different opinion on how you want to do that. You want to use NVIDIA TensorRT or you want to use Selden or you want to use like some other tool like BentoML. And we want you to just, we want ZenML to be that standardization layer that actually lets you write code in a way that you can then plug and play your stack, whatever your preference is, which would be dependent on your legacy infrastructure, which would be dependent on your business case, on whatever your ML problem is. And like ZenML could help and facilitate in essentially then getting your models in production for you in this standard manner. So Adam, obviously, or Hamza alluded to the fact that the space is extremely crowded and, and there's a lot of players in that as someone who's often at the tip of the spear of encountering the world and, and and this space and so on talking to people about what we're doing how do you see that challenge or that opportunity of an extremely crowded space yes you're completely right so every other week there is popping up another mlops tool in that whether it's a vertical tool like for for a specific task like deployment or training or feature stores are popping up as well, or whether it's horizontal solutions, which mostly are driven by some infrastructure providers like Google or SageMaker, you heard of them. So it's super crowded, but we, what we also can see already is that they are consolidating or fragmenting even more. So, for example, Tecton bought Feast, meaning one feature store the other. So um, it's crowded, but also consolidating. And it, it, for us, it doesn't really matter because no matter whether it's going to fragment even more or consolidate even more, there will always be a need for a tool which is gluing everything together in, in the hand, handing over points like from pre-processing to training, for example, that you always in every stage of your machine learning pipeline, you will need yeah, a, a tracking, whether it's artifact, an artifact store or metadata tracking or uh, just hyperparameter tuning or like tracking of these hyperparameters. You will always need that throughout the whole uh, journey of your pipe machine learning pipeline. So no matter whether the space is consolidating even more or fragmenting even more with new tools, we will always be needed or a tool like ZenML will always be needed. This is why I'm really, really happy that we are in that space. And what I also love is that you can compare it to an agnostic technology, like for example, the cloud business. And so there is no special vertical for cloud business because it's used everywhere. And this will be for machine learning the same case in the next years. And this is why uh, many industry will have a big impact by these technologies. So one thing that maybe surprises some people, maybe doesn't surprise others, is that uh, ZenML is, is an open source platform with the tool that we're building at the moment. I was wondering maybe we could talk a little bit about why that decision was made and, and how exactly that's going to work going forward. So um, open source was a no-brainer because we were building machine learning tools and our 
peer group, our audience will be developers and they don't trust the closed source tool too much and they want to try it out before paying uh, a yearly contract. And this is why it on the one side has high credibility, on the other side, it has a way bigger reach because people can peek into it, check it out, maybe adopt it on the local machine a little bit, run it and then talk about it and talk about it with their friends and, and their colleagues and whoever is having same has having has same problems. This is why open source is the very, very perfect booster for outreach and credibility in the whole community. Something else that the company seems to value quite a lot is the idea, along with being open source, being open in other ways in how we communicate what we're doing. Hamza, you sent out a new newsletter this morning. Could you talk a little bit about that decision to work out in the open as well? Yeah, I mean, it sort of stemmed naturally from the op open sourcing of the actual tech. The thing is, we've been in and around the startup space now for four years, and and there's different ways to do it. And one of the biggest things we've, we've, we've noticed is that people lean on each other a lot in this journey, because obviously, it's a very daunting task trying to build a company. And certainly, it's hard to do it alone. It's even hard to do it as a team of like a couple of people. So you try to lean towards networks and people around you and you're inspired by them and you get ideas by them. And, you know, this was probably the root of the open sourcing of the entire company rather than uh, open sourcing just the technology. Because one of the things that we found very cool about that was that the more open you are, the more exposure you have. Of course, there's some risks to it, but mostly you get advantages of people getting to know you, giving you feedback, establishing a link between you and the community that you're trying to resonate with. And that is not only true, again, in the technology side, just like someone would go into the GitHub repo and create an issue if they notice a bug in ZenML, we also wanted to establish a thing where they see, okay, hey, you know, here's their hiring process, or they're having now internal hackathons that use ZenML, and maybe they write us and say, hey, that's pretty cool, or maybe that's pretty stupid what you're doing, and if I was there, I would do something different. I mean... Regardless, on one side, there's really nothing for us to lose with this. There's everything to gain in terms of getting feedback in. And on the other side, there's obviously the hope here that we can document our own journey. Like if you were to ask me now what happened three years ago uh, when we were doing predictive maintenance, I would probably remember the broad strokes of how hard or how easy it was. But uh, this new company just feels like we, we should look a bit more closer in retrospect while that journey is happening, especially at, I think, one of the most fun parts of the journey, which is the really early stages which we're in. Documenting that and taking a look at that just gives you time to reflect and course correct. So yeah, I could keep talking about this for much more time than we have in this podcast. But yes, uh, it, it feels like that's an ethos that we carry forward. And we wanted to expand that more than just the technology. And in that spirit, I guess I should say something a little bit about this podcast. I think the idea is that we will talk to a bunch of people in the space who are working on these problems, whether in the applied side of things or whether other people be building tools in the space to, to learn from them. And then occasionally we'll have chats all together among ourselves about something particularly that's going on. I thought maybe a nice place to, to end would be to just ask if you could say something a little bit about what's coming up in the future of the ZML tool. What kind of things are you excited about what we're doing right now? So we want to bring ZenML into every company which is doing machine learning in production. And what we are currently building up is the really the core team, meaning these smart minds which we have on board right now will determine where, how the feedback from the community will be 
fed into our product or the, the framework itself. So this is why I'm currently more focused on building a cool team and a cool culture and to expedite every possibility what everyone has in the or ability or skills what everyone has in the team and just to have fun as well because there's also a possibility that we can fail right and because we are doing wrong strategic steps or have other problems we we don't know but we want to build a great culture and have fun on the way doing that and this is how we envision the best product will come together as well built by people with joy <laughs> that's the plan let's see <laughs> absolutely i mean i can just add to that so currently what we're doing is we just finished a refactoring of the code base with the new people that uh, like joined including alex with the new ideas they had and we we are now doing a lot of stuff that is outreach meaning getting our philosophy the vision of the tool out there it's open source so it's quite easy actually to test it out and use it and it's very easy for also for us to create content around it. We are doing a lot of initiatives like internal hackathons, as I mentioned, uh, trying to solve use cases with it, which are real, not just theoretical. And also stuff like just, you know, writing blogs or like creating this podcast or creating the newsletter, having like creating thought leadership around these topics. One of the biggest things that we realized is there seems to be a large amount of young, new minds coming into the space. And that grows every year. So data scientists who pick this up in some of the phenomenal educational resources out there from Coursera to Udacity or whatever, you name it. And they also want to see the production side a lot more now because there's more awareness that data scientists need to actually see their work through to fruition to produce value in the company. And we feel like we could create a lot of content which could be educational and could perhaps help them wherever they are in the journey. And this can be completely disconnected from ZenML, of course. It does help us, of course, in terms of getting out there, but it's not necessarily about just that. It's just also very exciting to be able to contribute to that and perhaps give them some sort of direction. So I feel like there's a lot more to come in that end as well. We'll be publishing new episodes of this podcast every two weeks or so. I hope you'll tune in in a couple of weeks' time to catch our first interview. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you again. Mm -hmm.